Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning, and today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee, sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade, which of course means from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at myalmacoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Harry or the brains of the outfit, Leticia, and please tell them that Stone sent you. All right, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast this morning, managing partner with Initiating Protection Law Group, Mr. Richard Reimer. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Stone. How are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm already getting the sense that I may need to initiate some protection. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> so, yeah, give us a little primer, mission, purpose. Uh, what are you guys out there trying to do for folks, man? Well, simply what we're trying to do is make sure that the brands, all these wonderful companies in Cobb, Cherokee, and this whole 75 corridor are using are brands they can actually use long-term and grow with. So many people come up with their brand name while sitting at their kitchen table on a Saturday morning with their spouse or their kids and are like, oh, wow, that's a great name. And maybe it sounds great, but you might not be the first person that came up with that great idea. And you might be building a business on top of a brand that, in fact, may not be yours. I want to help you through that process and make sure that you've got a brand you can actually build your business on and you know you own it. Man, that would must really take the wind out of your sails. If you do that, you, you don't get the benefit of some professional expertise or get the right research done. You build something out. You get a year, two years into this thing. You've built something great. And then I, I bet it can, it can get ugly, right? Because somebody else out there has gone through the steps to protect the the brand or the logo or whatever. Absolutely. It happens all the time too. And uh, I get way too many clients who say, well, a friend of mine suggested that I call you when I got this, you know, cease and desist letter. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking if they're a real friend, they would have had you call me a while ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, still, I, I, I obviously like the referral and I, I like the, the, to help those people. Yeah. But those people are the type who, um, a stitch in time saves nine. Had they come to me months or years beforehand, they would have saved a whole lot of money or not spent a whole lot of money to uh, get themselves out of the mess they find themselves in. Uh, so, so how does the whole, uh, you mentioned that referral, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a, for a guy like you? Is it more like just educating and, and, and awareness and just getting the word out? Hey guys, you know, love the energy, but you know, yeah, get you a business license, you know, get some cash, get some help, start getting the word out. But this needs to be like, you know, step one, two or three in your process. Is it more of an education thing you for your sales and marketing? There, there is a ton of education in it and there's education at different levels. Obviously the business owners themselves need to hear it ultimately, but I can only speak to so many of those ears. I would prefer to be speaking to the business attorneys who are doing their thing wonderfully, but mm -hmm. they aren't doing my thing. Uh, uh, talking to the bankers, talking to the CPAs, talking to the brand agencies, talking to um, insurance agents, maybe even talking to commercial real estate people, people huh. who are touching brands at the beginning of their life cycle to, as they sort of get to know that uh, customer of theirs, realize, wait a minute, you've got an interesting brand right here. What have you done to make sure that you can own this brand? Because I want you to be a brand owner, not a brand squatter. 
Okay, now uh, let's play out a couple of scenarios, if you don't mind. Perfect. <laughs> as, as my listeners know, one of the reasons that I love doing this, I get so much free consulting. <laughs> so you just, t- you just cut me off when you say, okay, Stone, that's enough. You know, we got to run the meter. But, but no, let's play this out a, a, a little bit. So let's take uh, the, the kitchen table idea on a cocktail napkin. Uh, you know, you kind of got a, a cool logo looking thing. You got a cool name. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to launch the, the business what does it look like now now they call you in and and, and what is the process or do you first kind of go at well you you describe the process oh perfect and first of all this, these are all hypotheticals my malpractice insurance carrier would like oh, okay. to tell me <laughs> this is not legal advice but okay. okay but generally speaking uh if i am talking to someone at the very beginning of their life cycle yeah one of the first things we'll want to do for them is do some searching to see what level of rights they can get in that brand, what type of risk they face if they continue forward to that brand. And to explain to them, first of all, as a lawyer, everything is risk. I woke up this morning and got up bed. That was a risk. So, you know, me saying there's risk doesn't necessarily mean don't do it. But is it a lot of risk or a little risk? And if it's just a little risk, we're good. If it's a lot of risk, you know, how risk adverse are you? Are you going to Vegas or you just simply want to go a different direction? Uh, But allowing the business owner at the very beginning of its life cycle to understand what can I do with this brand? You know, let's let's switch away from brands for a second and say we're talking about widgets. I'm able to make and sell 10 widgets a day. I don't want to do that rest of my life. I want it to be 100, 1,000, 10,000, a million widgets. Can I do that? I'd like to know at the beginning of my life cycle that I have a way to make my widget production and sales capacity scalable, that I can do that. Same with the brand. You know, what you're doing today is not what you're going to be doing 5, 10, 20 years from now, we hope. We hope you're static. We hope your business is growing. We hope that uh, you, excuse me, dynamic, not static. We hope that, uh, you know, the market will change as well. Are you building your business on top of a brand that can support you through your entire life cycle? And so, so you're meeting with, with us, and then you, you know where to go and look and see what's out exactly. there, assess that risk. Uh, and now, I'm operating under the impression, you know, let's say I'm going to design the stony stick, a walking stick, and I want to call it the stony stick because, you know, my name is Stone. Just because there's something else out there called stony stick, it's possible I could still do my thing, Right. It's definitely possible. I mean, there are several things that make a brand available or not available. Okay. And the most common thing is what we refer to as likelihood confusion. Uh, How likely is it that this brand will be confused with some other brand? And and there's a lot of factors that go into that. But the two primary ones are, do the brands themselves look similar, sound similar? And are the products and services that those brands are put on top of, are they related to each other? You know, everyone knows of Delta Airlines. Everyone knows of Delta Faucets. There's there no confusion. Go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. No confusion at all. <clears throat> I, I would never think that the airline company is making faucets or vice versa. Right. But if, you know, if Delta Faucets had instead done a crop dusting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Instead of faucets. <laughs> Which, hey, isn't that actually how Delta got started? That is. That's how I chose that. <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the other end. Established brand. You know, um, you know, at the risk of sounding a little immodest, Business Radio X is one of the reasons that people uh, choose to work with us as opposed to do, you know, Billy Bob's, you know, podcast is, you know, there's this brand equity. We're a network. And so and so we've been very fortunate in that regard. But now we got stuff. So, yeah, maybe we did what we were supposed to do, but we got to be diligent. We got to we got to keep it 
register, but but we got to. There's more even than that, right? Well, this is a life cycle. This is not a one stop shop. This isn't. A, you know, think about your finances, for example. Uh, where you were when you're 20 years ago, 20 years old, is way different than when you are at my um, age of 30 something. Yes, I'll go with that for a second. <laughs> but. I need to regularly visit my finances and my plan to make sure that it fits who I am today and where I want to be 5, 10, 20 years from now. Uh, and just like my planning for my finances change, I need to have a regular update with a financial advisor. The same is true with your brand. Um, we discussed what happens at the very beginning of the cycle, and there, there's some more steps. And we'll touch on those in a second. Yeah. But what I'm really describing is that as the brand gets older, so as you're talking about a established more mature brand, mature brand, what are you doing to make sure that you continually keep up to date your protection and what your brand is at that point and what you want it to be? Because that changes throughout time, but the market changes and your concept of the brand changes, uh, what it is and what you want it to be. Um, so, so quickly going through, let, let's assume we have this client who's uh, brand new to us and we go through a, a, a brand search for them and we determine that this brand, in fact, is available for them, that they, there's a low enough level risk that this owner goes forward. And they uh, decide that the way they want to protect their brand is go through registration. Uh, it's not required that you register a brand. Uh, certainly one thing that uh, when people hear my business, the first thing they think is, oh, you're the guy that files trademark applications. Well, I do do that as a small part of my business, but it's not my sole <laughs> right. business. Um, and, you know, going through the process of what should happen through that entire registration process, are we dealing with a trademark? Are we dealing with a copyright? Is this trade dress? Do we have some other uh, patent design or other sort of uh, uh, type of protection we want to rely on? Are we going to rely on common law rights? Do we want to go at the federal level, the state level, maybe international rights. There, there are a lot of different reasons uh, to go in different directions. And I know the variables that come in play and I can help the business owner go through that entire process and come with the most efficient answer. Now, of course, there's a more expensive answer all the time. And if you have a budget that's unlimited, we can go for more expensive answers, but that's not <laughs> my goal. My goal is to sort of show you where the value is, where the priority is, what I prioritize is number one and how much that'll cost. And then, you know, what else might be number two, number three, number four, and what's far flung number five, that if you are just in it to, uh, you know, give me more business, sure, here's another thing you can do. Uh, but I, I don't expect too many of my uh, clients to go in that direction because uh, I'm not a charity. So, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I'm glad I asked because you mentioned probably 19 things, <laughs> you know, paths that, that could be explored that would have never occurred to me. I mean, I've heard of the idea of registering a trademark. Obviously, we took we 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 decided to do that with the Business Radio X trademark. I did that with a uh, with something a long, long time ago, coming out of high school. Uh, okay. I let it expire, which I probably uh -huh. should have never done. Uh, so, I'm, but I mean, that was the you know that is the sum total of my experience in this regard. I wouldn't have known what to do if someone would have come after me and said, "Hey, no, you know, you really don't." have rights or or if i would have seen it on something and i wouldn't have known what to do to like try and so just having again the benefit of someone with with specialized expertise just to help you think it through lay out the options and then we can decide where our risk tolerance and that kind of thing is right exactly and so many people will respond oh well i know how to get down to the uspto website i can file the application myself right well, let me tell you i know where a piano is but that doesn't mean i can play it <laughs> You know how much it costs to buy a couple of microphones and publish on the internet? I'm in I'm in the same boat. And, you know, yeah, go for it, dude. Or if you want to leverage this platform to help people make money, maybe you ought to work with the pros. Yeah. I get it. I, I get it. So 
Um, I suspect that, that something like this has some key elements. And I think I, I think you even mentioned when we were setting this up <clears throat> that there are three or four kind of basic elements to this whole field. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're going for. Are you talking about? Well, like there's the searching for the stuff. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the, the later stages, uh, obviously, we started with searching. We talked briefly about registration. Right, right. Uh, once you register your brand, you're not done. Uh, there is no concept of government police for trademarks. Uh-huh. So it's now your job if you want to really protect your brand to right. make sure that there aren't third parties <clears throat> out there who are doing something that infringe or step on your brand rights. Right. And there are multiple ways you can do this policing element. Uh, the most common way, of course, is just be boots on the ground. You as the business owner probably know way more about your business than anyone, especially me, will ever know about your business. And you're the one that's going to hear that client come in and say, hey, I, I love your new shop out in Dallas. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's a great place. You're like, my what? And, 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 and so that sort of thing piques your interest and you, you check into it and figure out exactly what's going on. Or, uh, you know, maybe you go to a trade show and you see someone that's uh, potentially infringing your rights. Um, Of course, those are very uh, haphazard and just sort of, uh, you know, low tech ways of doing it. And that doesn't mean that they're bad ways, but they're not Mm. the exclusive ways. There are some technology tools I can use that are not legal oriented that can uh, we can subscribe to and get reports to figure out exactly what's going on. Different brands are worried about different things. Maybe you're more interested in what's happening in social media. Maybe someone else is more interested in what's happening in e-commerce. Maybe you're more interested in, you know, Alibaba, China's e-commerce. There's all sorts of different ways to look at the brand and try to figure out what exactly you need to um, um, pursue and go after. Uh, Of course, that's the policing side and the policing uh, side of done well will give you lots and lots of potential things to go after. And you get to make the decision, how narrowly or broadly am I going to enforce my rights? You know, am I going to have a huge budget and go after everyone? Or am I going to have a narrow budget and just, you know, like shooting with an arrow, go after the one thing I want and to make sure that they aren't stepping on the core of what my brand identity is. Um, once you identify whether it's one or a thousand, however many you want to go after, what are we going to do? Uh, which leads us to the fourth uh, piece of the pie, uh, of the four-piece pie, which is enforcement. And enforcement is really the process of what do I do against those third parties that I think are encroaching on my rights? Uh, of course, a lot of that begins with analysis to make sure <clears throat> there really is encroachment. And if there is encroachment, that um, you know, if you go to court and say someone needs to stop, that someone didn't you. Uh, make sure that you have priority here. Um, and then are you going to uh, let it go? Are you going to file a federal lawsuit? Are you going to do something in between the two? Of course, a lot of people think about cease and desist letters, and that is a pretty common way of going about it. But there's a, a lot of strategy that goes into uh, all four steps. But in my mind, enforcement and registration has so much strategy involved in it about exactly what are you doing, how are you doing it, um, it's the puzzle and the game that got me into this business. I love puzzles. I love games. I love rules and I love applying them to your advantage. And those two pieces, wow, they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What is the backstory, man? How did you find yourself in this line of work? Well, an interesting story. I'll, I'll try to make it quick, but uh, as an eight year old, I went around telling everyone I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up. At eight years old. I, I didn't know what wow. that meant, though. Uh, but I, I, <laughs> I didn't know what I'm going to do at 28. <laughs> wow. Well, you, you, you'll find I didn't get there too directly. But uh, the eight-year-old of me uh, did know what was going on, uh, better so than the 22-year-old of me uh, knew what was going on. <laughs> and 
uh, I, I didn't know what a lawyer was. I saw it on television. My parents are blue collar. I, I grew up here in the, the area and went to Sprayberry High School and, uh, you know, very yeah. much of this area um, and didn't really have a lot of lawyer examples around me. Uh, there are two uh, people. Shout out real quick to uh, uh, Mr. Schertz and Mr. Schlack, both of whom are retired by now, but uh, were wonderful examples to me as a child and uh, who I try to be every day when I go to law, go to work as a lawyer. But, um, you know, that eight-year-old, uh, when I became 22, got pushed to the side when I realized I had to continue paying if I wanted to go to law school because I self-funded my own <laughs> education um, versus starting to make money using my undergrad degree, which was accounting. Yeah. I spent 10 years being an accountant. Uh, the second half of those 10 years was a very miserable existence. Uh, I just looked at myself in the mirror every day and said, is this the right decision for me? Uh, uh, you know, no, no disrespect to the accountants of the world that we need you, but uh, I wasn't uh, meant to be one of you and didn't really know where this path had taken me until I felt that eight year old tugging at my shoulder saying, Hey, there's still that law school thing. When are we going to law school? Uh, I was an adult, but didn't have children, didn't have those sorts of responsibilities. I did have a mortgage. So I went to law school in the evening at Georgia state, shout out to GSU, great law school. Um, and Still didn't know what I wanted to do with a legal degree when I got out. Uh, wound up going into a corporate uh, group, a law firm in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in the town, one of the big firms down there. Um, you know, great group of people. Uh, learned a little bit about corporate law until one day they gave me a project um, where I had to look at the um, uh, one of our clients was buying company, and we needed to look at the due diligence reports, including the intellectual property. You know, what uh -huh. did this company we're acquiring actually own? I didn't know what intellectual property was at that moment. I had no clue. I was uh, just about to graduate from law school, doing some work as a clerk beforehand, and uh, was given a little bit of uh, guidance in that, and fell in love. And I thought I was cheating. I, I really thought that it was illegal to like your work. <laughs> I, I, I had not liked my work in so long, and uh, I'm like, is someone watching? Am I going to be fired? I, <laughs> I, I don't know how to handle this. Uh, a little bit of uh, IP work turned into a lot of IP work. Uh, a few twists along the road, and here I am doing nothing but IP, and I own my own firm. Uh, spent 17 years working at two large law firms in uh, Midtown Atlanta. Got some great experience there, and uh, met a lot of great folks there, but Decide the way big law handles clients is not the way I wanted to handle clients and specifically not who I wanted to work with, which are the people in my own backyard, in my own community and the small and mid-sized businesses around me. Well, I mean, I could tell it comes through your voice. Of course, I'm sitting here in the room. With you. I could tell you, I mean, you just, you love this work. You, you, you live for this. The passion is, it, it's, it's, it's contagious. So you must meet some of the most fascinating people because, yes, you're working with the end user client, but as you mentioned earlier, a lot of your energy is, is you're, you're also, if I were your client, you'd also know probably my financial advisor, my CPA. There's other people, like all the trusted advisors in my circle. That, I mean, you must meet some really smart folks with highly specialized knowledge in these different domains, and you must meet some really fascinating business people who are doing some cool work and have some, I mean, that must be fun. It is fun. And it's fun. You're talking about my passion. I appreciate that to feel yeah. their passion is fun too. You know, obviously yeah. not everyone's uh, uh, passion in life is intellectual property. Go figure. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's a guy in a, a, a networking group I belong to who owns a flooring company and hearing his passion. I mean, the guy is just 
passionate about flooring. Uh, right. I mean, you and I sitting here think it's the thing you walk on. I don't get it, but you know, it, right. it motivates him and, and to feel his passion, to see his vision for what his company is going to be and whatever is so much fun. Now he's, uh, uh, you know, I hope the best for him, but he's not likely going to be on the front of time magazine in 10 years. Right. Uh, but just knowing him has been a, a fun journey and, uh, you know, knowing his advisors and whatever, uh, and, and most of these advisors you're talking about, um, you know, do uh, the ones that do it well, come to it with the same mindset I come to it at. I think yeah. I'm the smartest person in the room with my narrow niche. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm the dumbest person in the room with respect of every other narrow niche. And I love to be quiet and listen. Uh, and, and then when it comes my time, speak up. Uh, but, but not be the guy who thinks that uh, they have all the answers. So if we could, I'd like to dive in a little bit more on this idea of intellectual property, uh, IP. Uh, so, th- you know, there's the branding and the logo and the all, all that kind of stuff. But there's also, as I understand it, well, like I come from the training, consulting, speaker world, business authors and, and stuff. I self-published a book 100 years ago. It's how I got in this business. Um, the, there's there's uh, stuff <laughs> that kind of belongs to to us if we've created it from scratch right like i bet you even the business like the methodology the processes we use i wonder if any some of that maybe is actually ip yeah maybe there is a lot that's intellectual property that uh your average person doesn't understand is intellectual property and one one thing before i jump in to answer your question yeah when i worked at those large law firms me and all my uh, colleagues called ourselves trademark lawyers and as I went through the realization that that wasn't who I wanted to be, part of it yeah. was I realized that it'd be like a plumber coming to your house and calling himself a crescent wrench spinner. Uh, who cares what tool you're using? I want right, to care what you're right. working on. So I've always called myself brand counsel, mm. and I love to focus on brand mm. specifically. Although there are a lot of things that sort of go into the brand identity of a company that are ancillary to the, just the, the name or the logo or the tagline. Yeah. And you're, you're touching on one uh, clearly, which is copyright. When you write ah, something okay. or you have any sort of expressive uh, work that's Fixed in a tangible uh, medium, which means you're writing something or recording something, or uh, even if you're dancing uh, on stage, uh, you have right in that particular expressive work. Most commonly, as you pointed out, it's going to be a writing, maybe a painting, uh, maybe a song, something like that, these traditional um, types of art. But it also includes uh, software. You know, when I'm well, that uh, makes sense. when I'm okay. coding software, I have a right. very specific way of doing it. Now, interestingly, with copyright, you're not protecting the idea; you're protecting the expression of the idea. So, if I write the next great murder mystery, I'm not claiming rights in murder mysteries. I'm claiming <laughs> rights in my specific murder mystery that has these characters and this plot and this etc. So, if someone else came along and started using uh, the the same uh, characters and same plot and same everything else for their murder mystery, right? I could have some claim against them. Uh, you, you also uh, touched on patents, which is another leg under this umbrella of intellectual property. Yeah. So we talked about trademarks really quickly, which most directly uh, touches on brands, but not exclusively. Actually, I have a client right now who's a church uh, that is um, going through an issue with with their brand. And I I guess you can view it as a brand, but most of us don't view churches as businesses. So 
is sort of a non-traditional use of branding. <clears throat> the second point we just touched on was uh, copyright. Uh, patent is clearly the uh, third of the three most common. It's the third that I've not mentioned. Uh, it's probably number one in terms of uh, uh, you know how uh, much it impacts business. But that right. is more about inventions. That is more about things. It can be processes. It can mm-hmm. be even uh, the, the way software works, uh, the, the way a process works, the way... It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be a... The it, process. Okay, it can methodology be. Methodology. And, and another very quick uh, disclosure right here. I am not a patent attorney. Uh, <laughs> patent attorneys have uh, way more education than I care to have. I mean, I, I do have an undergrad degree in accounting. I have a master's in taxation, and I have a, a, a JD, and they have way more than I do. Uh, they, they are uh, getting uh, chemical uh, degrees, uh, doctorates, and uh, all sorts of crazy things, and uh, then they go to law school. I don't know how someone can have that great mind, but they do. But here again, if you're if you're – my brand counsel provider, I'm going to trust you. And, and then I come to you and I come to you with this stony stick thing and you're going to say, great, let's, let's have lunch with Bob. <laughs> or exactly. You need to call Bob, right? It, it, so it's nice to have that quarterback, if you will, for this arena. And, and I do have advisors in so many different ways. I mean, obviously you point out the patent uh, person and I yeah. have several patent attorneys that depending on what's happening, uh, different people are uh, the right person. Mechanical patents, the invention are very different than chemical patents are very different than oh, process man. patents, computer patents, uh, a lot of different areas. I'm probably, uh, I'm sure there's some patent attorney out there saying, name mine, name mine. But <laughs> I didn't, sorry. Uh, but but there there are so many different people that you, you might need to talk to. And same thing with business attorneys. I mean, so frequently I get called and uh, someone says, I'm buying this company and I'm really buying the brand. Can you advise me? Well, I will advise clearly on acquiring the brand, but all the other uh, mergers and acquisition yeah. work that goes into it, that's a different attorney altogether. And again, I have you know a, a dozen or so different attorneys who might be the right fit depending on what's going on with that particular company. And, and, and it happens outside of legal uh, advisors as well. You know, obviously, I know financial people. I, I know, uh, you know HR people. I know insurance people. You name it. Uh, so if a client comes to me and I do happen to be the first stop, which is a, a kind of unusual situation, to be honest with you, but I do have this network that usually is referring towards me, to be quite honest, right. but I, I'm happy to refer towards them uh, just as well. Well, and I don't, I'm sure your experience has been like mine. Um, and I'm sure this happens in other communities, but boy, right here in Cherokee County, I mean, what a marvelous group of people. That, Absolutely. I, I mean, we've, we're both familiar with the Woodstock Business Club. Yes. I've um, had tremendous uh, experience hanging out with the folks over in Woodstock. I don't know why they let me in this thing called <laughs> Young Professionals of Woodstock. So the bar is pretty low, guys, because I'm 58 <laughs> as far as the young goes. But no, what a, what a marvelous, uh, they've cultivated such a marvelous, embracing, supportive business community here. Very passionate, too. I love who, that. Yeah, Absolutely. I, and and I, very I, serious, too. I mean, uh, I, I won't repeat their motto, but we know what their motto is. Yes, and it, yes, it's yes. about uh, being accomplished and getting, <laughs> getting, uh, getting to the end. Getting room. it done, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> to the meeting if you want to hear the actual <laughs> literal motto but uh, so I, I gotta believe because uh, I think it's true in so many arenas uh, including our, ours here at Business Radio X uh, there must be you must run across from time to time and more often uh, than you'd like to maybe uh, preconceived notions um, misbeliefs myths uh, yeah, yes maybe we could just t- t- touch on a few maybe well uh, 
<clears throat> yeah, there, there, there's a lot of myths. Actually, uh, if you want to follow my LinkedIn post, uh, Initiating Protection has its own LinkedIn page. Okay. And uh, starting in July of this year, I've written something and posted every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So there's a lot out there for you. If nice. you go back to uh, July, you can read a lot of these. But I'll touch on a few of them just for those of you who don't care to, wait a minute, what do you say? Where's he going? Ah, that's too much. Uh, my, my favorite myth that I hear is the person who says they have rights in their brand, and I ask them, what's that based on? They'll often say, well, the Secretary of State told me I could have this name for my company. Uh-huh. Uh, those are two wholly unrelated things. Uh, the, the one has absolutely nothing to do with the other at all. The Secretary of State, God bless him, he has his own different set of priorities and objectives. He is not clearing trademarks. Uh, <laughs> that, that is not what he, he currently he has been a she in the past is doing. The uh, no matter what state it is, by the way, I'm, I'm thinking of Georgia, but there's a you know the Secretary of State in every state essentially does the same job, and it's very administrative. They want to make sure that in the whole record of Georgia companies that are current, there's no one that has the exact name, so that when they send out mailings. They're sending it to the right person. They don't want confusion in the back office. That's all they care about. Matter of fact, if I said I want to call myself Initiating Protection Law Group, they could say no. I'd say, well, how about Initiating Protection Law Group 2? They'll say, that's fine. <laughs> and, and, and secondly, you're, you're Stony Stick. Let, let's say that you came and wanted to start Stony Stick LLC, and the Secretary of State said, nope, can't do it. There's already a Stony Stick out there. You do a little search, and of course, yours is a stick. The Stony Stick that they're worried about runs a, a restaurant. Uh, and you say, oh, I'll name it Stony Stick too. They'll say, that's okay. There's no trademark confusion with why you couldn't do it. Right. There's only confusion with whether or not they would send the, the renewal notices and things to the right address and the right person. Right. Uh, the other very related thing is, well, I have my domain name. You know, StonyStick.com is something that I claimed. Doesn't that mean I have rights in that trademark? Again, the answer is no. Uh, It's almost like saying, I live on Stony Stick Drive. Doesn't that mean that since I happen to have this address for you to locate me, that I own rights in the the name? No, you don't. Uh, It's probably an indication that you want to develop trademark rights in Stony Stick. But a lot of people, first of all, use their brand name, their domain names for something unrelated to the actual name. Maybe it's all they could find, or maybe it's a, a, a childhood name that they're using, or something funny that uh, you know happens exists in their life. But until you're actually putting a product or service out there under a specific brand, you have not developed any rights in that brand. Uh, sitting around, uh, coming up with ideas, telling friends, uh, acquiring domain names, uh, going to the Secretary of State and setting up an entity. Do you know how many entities there are that never do anything with their entity name? Nothing. I mean, it happens all the time. Someone has the, yeah. the gumption to file something in the Secretary of State and says, oh, never mind, I'm, I'm comfortable with my corporate job. I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, so all these things are, are maybe indications that you want to have trademark rights uh, and rights in your brand, but do not actually develop those rights for you. Wow. I'm glad I asked. I, I would venture to guess that the domain thing is probably one of the more prevalent. <laughs> I went and got the, I paid twelve ninety nine. I got it for a year. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to renew it. <laughs> and and I, I get it. I mean, again, you don't know what you don't know and what you don't know can hurt you. Uh, another uh, person in my uh, networking group says that all the time. And uh, she's absolutely right. In this area, it's something I know that a lot of people don't know. And for you to make assumptions about why you have rights, uh, is really setting yourself, you know, it's like building a building on top of a foundation that I guess was poured well. 
I, I don't know. Uh, the concrete kind of looks uh, chalky and flaky. Is that okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I'm pretty sure that the person who poured it knew what they were doing. I, 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 you know, I'm, if you're paying and getting good advice in the foundation, you're probably fine. But if it's just, you know, Uncle Bubba who, you know, uh, met some quick read up and I'm sure he'll be just fine. <laughs> probably not so good. <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap, let, let's try to leave our listeners with a few tips, some do's and don'ts or, you know, and, and maybe the tip is just call you. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but I try to leave them with a, with a couple of practical tips some sure. things to think about, particularly because what will often happen in our world is someone will uh, hear this interview and then they'll, and then they'll need and want to go share the information with their business partner. Right. Right. And so, well, one thing they can do is go back and listen to the whole thing. It'd be nice if they go, you know, I was listening to this thing and there were a couple like the guy said, you know, think about doing this and this. If you got anything like that, it'd be great. Well, a few very simple things. First of all, if you think something is a brand, treat it like a brand. And there are many helpful tips in that. Um, if you think, you know, back in the day before you had registered uh, Business Radio X, if you really thought that was the name of your brand, put a trademark symbol after it. That's a very simple superscript TM, letter T M. That stands for trademark. Okay. Uh, if it's a service brand, you can put SM, but you can put TM on either one. So that's simple. And you don't have to go get that. That that is merely telling the you world. This is my I, thing. That is putting your stake in the stand. Okay. Yeah. All so right. I landed off the ship and I found this beach and I planted my flag. That, that's all in the world it is. So now everyone in the world knows that you you consider that a brand. Uh, that's not a ton of notice, but it's certainly better than doing nothing. Okay. Um, you know, I would advise that you make sure that you have the ability to actually use that brand. Uh, that's probably touching on me. A lot of people do do their own searches. Again, I go back to that piano. I can play the piano too, but I don't know what I'm doing with it. Um, <laughs> and and I would advise that the very beginning of the process is really the time where you want to make sure you get it right. You don't want to be five years down the road and uh, revisit yeah. and realize, oh gosh, I'm one step away from stepping on a monster who's going to squash me. And the phrase I love to use, it's an analogy that, that calls on real estate rights. And in the world of real estate, when you buy property, it's such a natural process for them to record the deed with the courthouse because everyone knows where the property is. It's identified. We all see it. It's around us. Yeah. Intellectual property doesn't have that because the property doesn't exist until you create it. And there should be a part of that process where you go and record the deed with the courthouse, which in this case is taking uh, the steps to go through registration and record it with the government. And if you don't record the deed on your real estate, you're not an owner, you're a squatter. And the same thing with a brand. Uh -huh. If you've gone through the steps to make sure that you have protected your brand, you're a brand owner. Otherwise, you are a brand squatter. And just like the real estate squatter who could one day be pushed off their uh, real estate, do you really want to be waiting for someone to come push you off your brand? Uh, how much work, how much sweat, how much tears, how much blood has gone into that? Wow, what a great way. I mean, a little bit uh, intimidating and sobering <laughs> way, but I was going to say what a great way to frame that. Yeah, don't be a don't be a brand squatter. Don't be a squatter. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, as our listeners would like to, to reach out and, and have a conversation with you or someone on your team about some of these topics, uh, let's give them some points of contact, whatever you think is appropriate, whether it's a, you know, a, a number, an email, a LinkedIn, or l let's make sure they can get to you. There, there are a dozen ways. I think the most direct is via phone. Uh, my office number is 678-965-3268. You can also send me an email. My email address is richard at 
initiatingprotection.com. That's all one word, no spaces, dashes, underlines, whatever. And if you wish to visit my web um, email, my web address, it's initiatingprotection.com. Uh, I do have quite a bit on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I'm actually going to be going through a um, uh, a different way of. Uh, I thought you were going to say rebranding. Myself. I thought you were going to say rebranding. Not quite rebranding. <laughs> uh, repromoting. Re- remarketing might be okay. another way. Which, by the way, uh, comes to a very important thing. If if you are going through the effort of branding, if you are talking to marketing people and coming up with new brands. Um, yeah. It's very much my my service is like the third leg of the stool. You business owner provide the business and you add so much value there. How do they find that business? Well, it's the brand that the brand owner or someone creates. How do you protect it? I'm the third leg of the stool. I help you protect it. Well, and if you're in the marketing business, if you're a marketing consultant, it, virtually any trusted advisor, you can run down the list, whether it's CPA, financial advisor, uh, business attorney. But man, if you're a marketing consultant, you, 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 should have Richard Reimer on your team. You need to be able to call him in on this thing. Most of the good ones do. It's surprising yeah. how many do not. And that yeah. might be a quick uh, check for you. If you're going to a brand agency, one of the first questions you could ask them is, you know, who do you consult with to make sure that the brand that you're providing me is one that I can own and that is you know legally uh, mine to obtain? Um, I will not name names, but I've been shocked at how many uh very experienced marketing people scratch their head when they try to understand what I'm doing. Right. I, I should be a very simple thing for them to understand. Yeah. And just, you should be built into the equation every time. Absolutely. Well, Richard Reimer, managing partner with initiating protection law group. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Yes. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Richard Reimer, managing partner with Initiating Protection Law Group and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio.